Good morning. It's great to be together. Um, Helen, good job. I, I want to encourage us that we need more Sundays where we get up, get out of our rows, and we cross the room, and we encourage and prophesy and bless and pray for one another. That's what we are here to do. Glad you agree. Um, we're going to do that in a minute. And I know you don't believe me, but I actually really don't have very... I have a lot to say. Most of it in life probably... No, I stop. I'm going to use my time up just waffling. Um, in a moment, I want us to come back and do um, some more of the same. Um, because I feel that that is where God has just brought my attention to this morning. Um, as we get going on our new preaching series with our lovely new graphics, um, which we with permission, nicked from Village Church in Texas. Um, no, they gave it as a resource. Anyway, we're about to start a new series in a moment, but before I get there, um, Nick and Motti um, send their greetings. Emma and I just saw them the last couple of days. Um, they're doing really well, loving life in Seattle, um, and, but miss you guys like crazy and just wanted to send their love and greetings to you. And they said, we're still praying for you, us as a church, and miss... Um, you guys terribly, so we've done that. Right. I'm just going to pray for a moment because we're starting a new series and I feel like um, even what was coming through in the prayer meeting this morning and just as Helen's just encouraged us and provoked us, I feel God wants to say, come on gateway um, at the start of this series. Um, we're going to be in Exodus and it would be easy just to look at it as an as a epic story. Um, uh, an exciting story, a story of what God did in the past. It would be easy to look at this story and to kind of go, well, it's more information um, about the Bible, and that's good. But I feel God wants to get hold of each one of us in this room, whether you know him or not, at the start of this series. And that this morning, I just feel there's a, um, an intention that God is looking for, an intentionality in each one of us to to choose to go toward him again, regardless of where you are today, regardless of what circumstance you are in, but to literally make a decision set in your heart again, Christ is Lord. That it isn't simply something I did once and now I'm just here, but that today set in your hearts that Jesus is Lord. And so I'm going to pray, Father, that as we come to, to this um, staggering story of your power and provision and might and your plan of rescue and redemption from slavery into freedom, from captivity into life. We pray, would your spirit fall upon each one in this room, that, Lord, we will be those who are walking and growing in you, walking with you, delighting ourselves in you. We pray this, that you would be glorified. We pray it that, that Lord, your kingdom would come. We pray it that our lives may not be um, like that of those who don't know you, but will be totally surrendered and shaped by your presence and your call and your um, commitment to us. And so we welcome you here and say, Lord, do a new thing in our hearts today. Lord, for joy, for freedom. Lord, for, for 
all you have called, all you have purposed, both to us corporately, but also individually. I pray this for your glory. Amen. Just as Emma and I were talking about this morning, yesterday, um, I was pleased, Helen, that you just said about this new era that we're in, and I feel like we need to keep reminding ourselves, even if it doesn't make sense yet, even if it's like a coat that's too big for us, this new era coat, what is it? I feel stupid in it. I feel stupid saying it. What, God, what are you doing? But God is doing something new in our generation. And it's not simply us that are saying it. It's not simply our family of churches that are saying it. Churches across this nation are saying God is on the move. He's doing something new. And I am convinced and committed to this belief that as God is doing something new, he is looking for something new in his people. And so our job is to respond to what God is doing. Our, God, our job is to recognize. Our job is to position ourselves. And in the prayer room, Ant was saying, we've got to posture ourselves with expectancy. Not smallness and hiddenness, but God, come and come in power. God set us free from where we are. Set us free from captivity and bondage and slavery and bring us into life. And I, I'm convinced that we have to see the times that we are living in that God is preparing a new move of his spirit in our generation. And it would be sad, wouldn't it, that generations before have prayed for this nation, God move in power. And that when there's a sense of both prophetically in the church, in this nation, and even across the world, um, that God's on the move, that we go to sleep at that point. And so this morning, we're going to, in a moment, just pray and get into God again. But this new era, it isn't just about going and doing. It isn't just about come on Tuesday evening to the good news for Swindon thing as an evening just to fill your diary and just have an evening of prayer and worship. Unity is what God is doing. Joining churches is what God is doing. Forging new relationships and friendships is what God is doing. And we respond into that and say, God, have your way in this. God, come have your way in Colin. Come and do what you want to do with this life for your glory and your purposes. And so that's true for you. God, have your way in each one for your glory and your purposes. What you're doing in our generation, God, I want to align my life to that. That I might both step into it and experience it, but also glorify you. So really I'm saying we should desire God's intention for us. And our job then becomes relatively simple. Our job is that we have a deep commitment to God, that we love him, that we pursue him, that we know him, and that we love one another, that we serve one another. So again, groups isn't just, well, that's just how we organize ourselves. We need one another. In this race called the Christian life, that's a long, hard slog, we need one another. And so I want to implore you that, that even this morning, don't just hear things as information, but God is saying, come on, my church, wake up, wake up, get ready, prepare yourselves for what I am doing. And what counts isn't what you do, but it's what you let God do in you. And that, I feel like that's something that I'm learning at the moment. God, it isn't about getting it right. It's not even about never making mistakes. It's about, God, come have your way in me. God, come and shape me, form me, change me, grow me for your 
glory. So if you are, if in January or towards the end of December, you set a New Year's revolution, maybe, (laughs) maybe it was a revolution for some, called this year I'm going to read the Bible in one year. And you've got a decent app, like Read Scripture, um, or something like that that just helps give you a, a Bible reading year plan. You probably, two days ago, opened your Bible to the book of Exodus. Wow, it's almost like God planned it just for this series. And so over this coming weeks, you are going to be reading your way through the book of Exodus. If you are not reading your Bible through this year, you might have just randomly been in Exodus. But can I encourage you, over the next eight weeks or so, just be in Exodus. We are not going to read this every verse. We're not going to read every bit of the Bible of um, Exodus. We're not going to dig into every part of the story because it is an epic story. So can I encourage you to be reading it, to um, spend time there, to let God speak to you, to prepare your hearts for what he wants to do in advance over this time. Exodus. Why Exodus? Why are we going to spend... Um, the next eight weeks in the first half of Exodus and then possibly, hopefully, towards the end of the summer in the second half of Exodus for another eight weeks. Well, Exodus, I'm sure most of us know the story, if not from reading it in our Bible, from, um, from DreamWorks animation, which I like. I think it's a good story, but it's just the first part of the story. Um, or Charlton Heston or some kind of movie like that. We kind of know the narrative of Exodus, at least the first half anyway. It is this epic story, as we will see in the coming weeks. And through this story, we learn so much about the purposes of God for the world and his people. And we need to be reminding ourselves over and over again Who is God? What is he like? What's his plans for both the world, for you and I, for his people, for creation? We need to remind ourselves of that. And I'm just going to read quickly from um, right in the middle, chapter 19. At this point in the story, um, God has brought his people out from slavery under Egypt through the wilderness to the the foot of Mount Sinai. And just before they, they set camp there, God takes a moment to say, This is what I've done with you, and this is what I'm going to do with you. And it says this, chapter 19, verse 1, On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. This is what God had done. God had led them out from Egypt. And they encamped there before the mountain. And mountains in the Bible are significant, as we will see in the coming weeks. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him, sorry, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself now therefore 
if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. In a moment, I want to play um, just a, a short a six-minute video, really, that kind of gives an uh, overview of um, the book of Exodus. It's a super um, helpful book just to help us see the lie of the land, if you like, the forest, not just the trees, but the big, wide panoramic view of Exodus. But before we do that, God is the God who says to his people over and over again, remember what I have done to you and for you and in you and through you. And I'm going to do this for you and through you and to you and in you. And we need reminding of that. So in a moment, we're going to watch this video. I want to just literally hit a couple of themes that we'll look at as we go through this book. But then we're going to pray for one another. We're going to pray, God, come have your way in us. Come and help us respond. Come and help us align our hearts and our lives for your glory and your purpose. So um, go for it, guys. Thank you. From darkness to light, this is the story we all share as the people of God. He draws us out to draw us in. From the birth of Israel to the church today, God delivers and dwells with his people. This story began several thousand years ago, and it began with a promise from God to Abraham that he would make his offspring more numerous than the stars in the sky a great nation who would one day dwell in the Promised Land. More than 400 years passed, and Abraham's descendants had not seen this promise fulfilled. Instead, the Israelites lived as foreigners in the land of Egypt. Fearing that the Hebrews would grow into a mighty nation and overtake them, the Pharaoh of Egypt forced them to work as slaves. But Israel continued to grow. In response, the Egyptians increased their oppression of God's people, and Pharaoh gave a terrible decree. Every son born to the Hebrews would be thrown into the river. But a Levite couple defied this order, trusting God's will for their son's life. And God did have a plan for this child. Pharaoh's daughter found the baby and took pity on him. She named him Moses because he was drawn out of the water. As Moses grew older and saw the suffering of his people, anger burned within him. When he witnessed an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, Moses killed the man and fled Egypt to hide in the desert. Years passed, and Moses made a new life for himself in Midian. Then one day the voice of the Lord called out to him from a burning bush. God told Moses that he saw the persecution of his people in Egypt, and he heard their cries. He promised to deliver the Israelites from slavery, and he commanded Moses to go before Pharaoh on their behalf. Moses was terrified, so God sent Moses' brother Aaron to go with him. The brothers went before Pharaoh, performing signs and wonders, but Pharaoh would not listen, so God brought down plagues upon Egypt. Yet Pharaoh's heart remained hard as stone. 
To prepare for the tenth and final plague, the Hebrews marked their doors with the blood of spotless lambs. That night, the angel of death passed through the kingdom, killing the firstborn child of every Egyptian household that did not bear the mark, including Pharaoh's. Heartbroken, Pharaoh told the Israelites to go. They were finally set free, and the Spirit of God led the people out and toward the Promised Land. But Pharaoh's grief soon turned to rage. He changed his mind and then commanded the Egyptian army to pursue them. When the Israelites came to the Red Sea, Moses lifted his staff to the sky and the waters parted. The Hebrews passed through the towering waves and the Egyptians were swallowed by the sea. The Israelites found themselves in a harsh wilderness. Though they had just witnessed God's power and might in rescuing them, the people doubted their deliverer would provide and instead complained of hunger and thirst. A few days later, they found manna on the ground, sweet and good to eat. And the Lord told Moses to strike a rock with his staff, giving them water to drink. The Lord had provided yet again. As the Israelites approached Mount Sinai, Moses delivered a word from God. If they obeyed and kept God's covenant, God would make them his treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And the people promised to do so. Three days later, the mountain shook as a sound like a trumpet grew louder and louder. Then the Lord came down in fire and smoke. When the people heard God's voice, they grew afraid, and they asked Moses to speak with God on their behalf. God gave Moses many laws and instructions, including the Ten Commandments. And the Hebrews promised to worship the Lord alone and to keep his laws. Moses spent 40 days and nights on the mountain with God and returned to find the people bowing down to an idol. They had forgotten their promise. Moses burned the idols and atoned for the people's sin. And though God punished the Israelites, he did not destroy them completely. After the Israelites repented of their unfaithfulness, they went to work making everything that the Lord had instructed. They sewed fine garments for Aaron and his sons and consecrated them with oil for their service as priests. They built the Ark of the Covenant to hold the tablets of the law and also built the tabernacle where God would dwell with his people, Yahweh, the one who drew them out of slavery. And though the Israelites would endure more strife and hardship, they continued on in hope toward the Promised Land. The story of Israel is the story of us today. We are God's people. He draws us out to draw us in. And like the Israelites, we still await the promised land in the midst of our sin and suffering. Yet God is with us. What a great story. It's like a trailer for the movie. Come on, when is it coming out? <laughs> Oh dear. 
So we're going to spend eight weeks um, tracking the journey of Egypt, sorry, of Israel out from Egypt up to Mount Sinai. And as I said, please do be reading your Bible. And we're going to see a whole number of themes and um, key, key things that God is about that he does with his people that, that were about the nation of Israel, but that totally relate to us today and lead us and guide us. And in fact, this story kind of relates at three levels. You have the story of Israel and God's um, redemption of Israel out from slavery and into the promised land. And that, this story is like a pivotal story in, in our Bibles. It kind of just sets the framework of, of the arc of the whole story of our Bible. And unless we know this story, we, and we, just, we can assume we know the Bible, but so often the New Testament writers, and, and even through the Old Testament, they point back to this story. As why? Even Jesus pointed back to this story as a pivotal moment. So we need to know this story. We need to know some of the theology around it, not to get stuck in that, but to understand, oh, that's what God is about. That's why we're saved by grace. And so we're going to see some key themes as we go through. We're going to see the themes of deliverance and redemption. God's justice. That God is a God who is opposed to slavery, past, present, and future. And that is an issue that for many in this room is true. Ethnically. That your, your past, this story resonates with your past and your family's past and your heritage. And that you say, yes, God is a God who rescues from slavery, literally. And for many in this town today... And maybe even in this room, I don't know, but maybe slavery is a still, as we, as we see on the news, a very real issue today. And so it resonates and speaks right into our culture. God is a God of justice. He's a God who is about deliverance and freedom. He's a God of covenant and faithfulness. A God of commitment to his people, and he's faithful to that commitment. We're going to see that. I haven't got time to unpack these. We're going to see God's marvelous plan of redemption and salvation, not only for Israel, but for the nations of the world. That we are sat here 2,000 years after the death of Jesus because God started his plan, because he led his people out from captivity. We're going to see God's tremendous power even to split the seas even to, to have control over nature and creation, even the God of the Bible against the God of the world, against the gods of Egypt and the God of Pharaoh. We're going to see God pitted. It's like showdown. God against gods. The, the God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob against the gods of Egypt. We're going to see God's miraculous providence. That he is a God who is incredibly slow to anger and abounding in love, just as we saw. That even when we dare complain, God is gracious to us. These are amazing themes that we're going to encounter as we go through this epic story. And as I said, it's a story that we need to understand from the nation of Israel perspective. It frames our Bibles, and so we need to understand this story but we also need to understand and read this story through the lens where we're seeing Jesus. Because this story actually isn't about Moses. He's not the main character. Albeit an important one, 
albeit we can learn lessons and have warnings from the life of Moses and Aaron and even Pharaoh. But Exodus is about the God who reveals himself to his people. Exodus is about the God who reveals himself to his people and makes himself known. And we'll see in Exodus, even that the entire Bible points to Jesus. And everything that was happening in Exodus was pointing towards Jesus. As Tim Keller so often says, the um, American uh, preacher and writer, that Jesus is the true and better Moses. He's a true and better Joseph. He's a true and better David. But Jesus is the true and better Moses. And Hebrews says this, Hebrews 3, Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were, that were to be spoken to later. So all Moses was doing in his leading of people, as we'll begin to see next as we'll begin to see next week, all Moses was doing was testifying to there is a better one to come, a better redeemer, a better rescuer, a better one who will come and rescue people from sin and slavery. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So as we go through this, we'll, we'll see the story of Israel. And that will help us get a, a better grip on our Bible and the story of God. We'll see Jesus all over the pages of this story. How it was pointing towards one day the true deliverer of God's people is coming. And we'll see ourselves in this story. And I'd like to invite you to stand with us. We will run out of time to pray. I'd like you to stand. I'd like you to, if you're comfortable to, and I want to encourage you to. And if you don't know Jesus... You're welcome to, but you're also welcome to sit and um, listen and reflect. I'd like you just to lift your hands and be open to God right now. As we heard on that video, God is the God who draws us out to draw us in. He draws us out of slavery to draw us into life in him, to freedom in him, to liberation in him, to new life in him. And this story we're going to encounter over these weeks doesn't just relate to us in some personal, corporate, abstract sense, but right into each one of our lives today. If you know Jesus here, you have been saved and forgiven your sin. Hopefully you have been baptized in water. And those are things that are done now. You, you're saved and baptized. But then we go on living our life as followers of Jesus. And I feel this morning that God was getting our attention to say, come on, Christian, come on, church, come on, gateway, come on, you 
and I stop stopping follow Jesus. Start following him again. And that many of us, we find, well, I got saved, I was baptized, and then it seemed to stop. Or I seem to just have all these gripes about my circumstances, and I just learned to complain to God rather than be a follower of him. And the Christian life is this. And the life of Israel was this, that as God's people, we are delivered. And actually, there is layers of bondage that we need to be delivered from continually. Right through our life, we are, we are under grace, and we are a work in progress, and we are being sanctified, and one day we will be like him when we see him face to face. But right now, we are saved, but we're a work in progress. And we need to continually be delivered, confessing sin to one another, saying, God, I need you in this area of life. We, God is not about dead religion. He is about bringing us to life and removing layers of bondage that hold us. And so I pray for Gateway right now. I pray for each one of us in this room, Lord, that in this season you would set us free from sin that besets us from strongholds of thinking of the mind, from patterns of life that control us that we don't have control over. And I pray that you would liberate us in our walk with you. I just feel for some in this room, there is a, a bondage over spiritual gifts and worship that God wants to let you loose in this season. That you will be a worshiper and one who revels in the gifts that God has given to you. And so, Father, would you do that over these coming weeks? Set us free to worship. Set us free to bless. Father, I pray that we would have to deal with the mess like they did in Corinthians because there's a hunger to worship you and use gifts. So we'd... We're delivered, we're discipled. And I want to pray for us right now, Father, that we would deeply commit ourselves to one another, not just mere, for mere friendship, because anybody can do that, but to love one another into Christ, to encourage one another into Christ, to champion one another into him. And I want to say to you, it doesn't matter if you're just standing still at the moment. No guilt and shame. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to say this to you with love and grace, but it's true. It doesn't matter what's going on in life right now. Because being a follower of Jesus, as Nigel said a few weeks back, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so it's not about overwhelming you. It's about bringing you into life. And then the third thing I just want to pray for us is that we will be deployed as God's people into his mission. Father God, there's a world that is entrapped in slavery and it doesn't even know it. Worshipping all kinds of false gods and idols and thinking they pay out when they lead to death. Lord, I pray for us as your people, would you fill us with your spirit over these weeks in, with a new passion and zeal to be deployed for your glory, to point people to you, the God who reveals himself, that we may know you, that you may draw others out from slavery to sin, from darkness, from death, from under Satan, into your glorious light and your kingdom, for your glory. And Father, I pray this would be a season of deployment for us, Lord, I pray that you would do that as we give ourselves to you. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Just, I'm just, I'll finish with this. I'm just aware that as 
as God led his people out from Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea, that the, the, the wind came, God blew, and the wind came and it separated the waters and we read that there were walls of water. And God's people passed through, all of them. They passed through. And as I think about that, my reflection is that they passed through and not everybody was in the same place spiritually. They were all saved. They were all delivered. And I imagine some walked through just saying, wow, God did this. Wow, he's led us. And I imagine there were some who walked through already beginning to say, why on earth are we going this way? Why would God do this? He's disrupting things for me. Guys, only you know where you are on your journey and God. And just as we finish now, I just want to I encourage you just to take a minute just to reflect on where you are on your journey, that God has led you out. If you know him and love him, he has led you out from slavery to sin. You've passed through the water of judgment and now where are you? Wow, God. Oh, God, what are you doing? Where are you? And I pray, Father, that over these weeks you would reveal your grace to us again and again and again. Ignite in our hearts fresh worship and a passion and zeal for your names that we would encounter the God of wonder and awe who liberates captives, who sets prisoners free, who binds up broken hearts, who releases bondage from our lives. So come have your way. Come have your way. Come have your way. I just want to do this, and I'll finish with this, just because we need to start doing this stuff. Just stand, the person next to you, just... If you don't want somebody to touch you, just hit their hand away, but just place your hand literally on their shoulder and say, God, fill them with your spirit. We've got to, we've got to exercise life in the spirit, guys. We mustn't be lazy with this. Just literally, simply bless them. God, fill them with your spirit over these coming weeks. Do a new thing. Amen.